I woke up in the middle of the night and I'm on East Coast time, so everything's all screwed up, you know? Yeah. Anyways, um, what are you seeing out there, Josh, as far as what dealerships should be improving on? Um, you know, it's funny because like I say I talk to a lot of dealers about this, right? Everybody wants to know the magic pill first off. You know, just as a society, we like the, the easy way of everything. And even us hard workers sometimes get sucked into that. And they just want to know, what do I need to do? And, um, you know, I'll talk to some owners. And mind you, the average owner, I think, right now is 74 years old. So you get a lot of 70-year-olds, 80-year-olds, you know. And when you talk to them about internet or social media, you know, it means different things to different people. Just like when you say BDC, it means different things to different people. I have an idea in my head of what a BDC is. To me, it's a phone room, you know, making phone calls, maybe even taking phone calls, that sort of thing. To some, that's an internet department, a BDC is. You know, to me, an internet department is completely different. Um, you can have a BDC and an internet department. You can have one or the other, that sort of thing. Um, but, but I think what a lot of the, uh, the dealers, and we're going to paint with a broad brush here, need to do is allow some experts to do some of the things that they don't know how to do. You know, when it came to... Um, standard media, you know, traditional media, TV, or print, that sort of thing. Usually you had an agency and they kind of handled it. But when it comes to social media, almost all the manufacturers have some sort of plug and play social media deal that posts, you know, two ninety nine a month, least special on whatever. It's garbage, you know, because nobody that follows your Facebook page is paying attention to that. They don't care. It's a commercial. Um, but I think from a digital social standpoint, again, broad brush, there's so much that can be done um, strategically from a brand building organic standpoint that nobody's using. You know, they've got uh, Sarah, the 18 year old receptionist. Oh, she seems, you know, she's young. She knows what she's doing on Facebook. So we'll have her do our posts and, and, and that sort of thing. And, and nothing against Sarah, but there's a strategy, you know, there's, there's mechanics in the back end and algorithms and, you know, all sorts of things that need to go from boosting to promoting to, to trying to grow your audience and that sort of thing. Um, but I, I'd say that's probably one of the biggest things that I see in the automotive space is just that lack of attention to, to digital. Um, but it costs money. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, you can't sell cars on Facebook, which I disagree. Um, but, but I think that's probably one of the, one of the biggest things, um, you know, and there's a slew of other things. Training, I think is something that just gets absolutely pushed, uh, by the wayside. And it's something that I know you guys focus on a lot and, uh, and I focused on at my dealership and obviously I will focus on it uh, quite a bit at my new dealership, but you see a lot of guys and gals that just, they don't put any emphasis on it. And, you know, it's one of those things that just gets, yeah, yeah, we'll do training at two today. We'll training and then two rolls around and you've got you know, some heat on the service drive that you're trying to pay attention to. And guess what? Well, we'll get to it tomorrow. It's always one of those. We'll, we'll get to it tomorrow. Um, and I know when people get interviewed, uh, a lot of people like to say they're big into training and a lot of uh, GMs and owners like to ask if you're big into training and everybody always answers the questions correctly and asks the questions correctly, but it never gets implemented and the emphasis on it never gets uh, you know, never gets pushed, you know, and, and that's, uh, that's something I've yeah, seen. Why do you think that is Josh? Why do you think that, I mean, these are, you know, a lot of times successful managers and stuff like that. And, and still it doesn't get done. Why do you think that is? I think it's, it's the same reason why people smoke, right? You know, you know, it's going to kill you. It's just not going to kill you today. Um, so I'll go ahead and have another cigarette cause I'm not going to die today. So it's the same thing. You know, when you're out on the car lot, there's a customer right there that I have to sell today. 
right? The training, we'll get it done later. You know, it's always later. Um, there's always something that's more important that I need to get. I need to answer that lead. I need to answer that phone call. I need to, um, you know, do those sort of things. And, you know, I, I posed a question to my managers once a while ago. And I say, let's lock the front doors. Literally, let's lock the front doors. Because everything that goes on inside of my internet department and my training room is probably way more important than that one customer, that two customers on the lot on a Tuesday afternoon, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and it was an interesting conversation we had needless to say because as car guys and car gals we're just conditioned to go you know who's with that up who's with that up let's go let's close this deal right now the person in front of me is the most important person in you know in our world right now which i challenge that that's not always accurate that person in front of you may be asking you to lose 1500 bucks and take a trade in that they you know just flip the check engine light off on and you're going to get stuck with that you know versus you could have a hundred people in your queue that need to get an email, a text, and a phone call and have paid attention to. And you could knock through that in you know, 30 or 40 minutes. So the 100 people in your queue are probably way more important than that one person on the lot right now. But we just don't take that mentality. And it's kind of bigger picture, a little deeper thinking. You know, in the car business, we don't always think deep. We, you know, we're say, hey, right there, right now, let's go, let's attack, and that's the deal, let's close the deal. Um, you know, but, uh, but I think there's some strategy from a thought process that we could probably implement and go, Okay, let's uh, you know let's figure out what's actually important, and that training piece. I think um, you know our turnover is atrocious in the car business. I think NADA has us close to 100% turnover in sales right now, um, and I think that could be reduced dramatically if we gave people the proper tools to support it. Um, you know, another problem with that is I think that uh, sales managers. Typically, you promote somebody from within, and it's usually your number one salesperson. And that number one salesperson is usually number one because they're individualistic, right? They're all about themselves. That's why they're the number one salesperson. And now all of a sudden you promote them to being a manager and managing 10 or 12 or 20 other salespeople. Well, it's not what they do naturally. They're an individual top performer naturally, but that's how we promote people. So now you're putting somebody in a position who's just by nature, just who, who they are, who God, God designed them. They're just not that great you know, team person, team leader. Because that great team person may be, may be in the upper quartile of salespeople, but they're not usually number one. Um, and so we promote that person. We don't train them on how to manage. We don't train them on how to train. And then we expect them to manage and train. Um, you know, so some of it is the leadership's fault within the dealership and who we promote and how we support them. Um, and then a lot of managers, quite frankly, they're, again, they're not good at it. They don't know how to do it, so, which means they don't like it. You know, it's like going to the gym. You know, usually you walk to your favorite piece of equipment that you're actually good at. That's the first one that you work out on. So it's the same thing. So you're, it, those guys and gals typically are good closers. So they're going to try and close deals. So they're not going to try and train and nurture and grow salespeople. Um, and that's a, that's a huge problem. And that's where I think, you know, supporting maybe our, our mid-level managers um, as leaders in the industry will help tremendously because that trickles down. Now all of a sudden you get these new salespeople coming in. Now they get the support that they need. I mean, I, I, I think sometimes about how many 30 car guys and girls have we let escape out of the dealership world and go sell cell phones or mattresses or, you know, insurance or whatever, because we weren't there to support them as leaders. You know, and it was the same way when you got in the business, it was sink or swim, right? I mean, just go out there busting up and, you know, if you, if, if you make it 90 days from now, I'll learn your first name basically is what it was. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and that's, uh, you know, I think there's still a little bit of that mentality now. So some of that shift has got to take place 
And, um, you know, and then that communication piece, and, and I talk a lot about the assessments and trying to figure out how to communicate with people because we're all different. And it used to be, we just communicated with everybody the exact same way. And now we need to communicate with people a little differently. You know, we need to figure out what their communication style is and try and communicate with them on their level. And as a manager, that's difficult, you know, cause now we have to figure out what their language is and what their style is and then communicate with them rather than just communicating with everybody the exact same way, which is easy. So again, you know, a lot of times we take that path of least resistance. So those are, those are just kind of some things that I, that I think are, yeah, uh, no, that, that is a broad brush. And when you talk about, you know, what changed for you, Josh, when, you know, cause we did all start out with a mentality of seeing about three feet in front of us, if, if even that far and reacting versus being proactive and yeah, when, and what kinds of things are, or how is it that you think that you were able to adapt and change over the years? I think that, and I can't remember if I talked about this on, on this podcast, but I know I talked about it somewhere with somebody where, um, Somebody asked me when I, when I realized that I was uh, successful and I'm like, man, I don't know. You need to start thinking about accolades. You know, well, when I did this, when I did that, broke that record, got this award. And uh, when I truly realized that I was successful, when I actually looked internally, okay, when did I think I was successful? And it was when I realized that I stopped doing this for the money and I was actually doing it to help people. And then coincidentally, I started having my best financial years also, you know, it, it followed in there. But when I realized that, hey, I'm actually doing this to help people, whether it's helping the customers or more so when it's helping my employees, you know, you take a kid like me that grew up in a trailer and all of a sudden he makes six figures, right? You promote somebody into finance, you know, some, you know, 21 year old kid who decided to drop out of college because it wasn't quite for him. And all of a sudden he's in finance again, making, you know, six figures and, and, um, you know, something like that, uh, you know, you show somebody that they can buy a house, um, you know, you show somebody that they can have balance in their life from a time standpoint, you know, just things like that, where I can pour into and nurture somebody and then you watch them grow and blossom and right in front of your eyes. I mean, it's almost like your own kid, you know, who's, uh, you know, growing and blossoming, uh, in front of your eyes. And, and, and that's probably when I realized that I was successful is when I could do that for people. Um, and then that's, yeah, it sounds, Josh, it sounds, t- sorry to interrupt you, but it sounds like, you know, the first thing is that you're talking about, and I think you hit on it right at the start and it, it ties both to customers and to, uh, employees. And that is retention, Yeah. you know, because if you were to start any dealership, like you said, lock the doors and just focus on your customer base and what you've already got, that's your most important customer, number one. And then your most important employee is not the one that you're trying to find, you know, because oftentimes we see that the first thing that managers will do is say, oh, I just need to go find somebody. It's like, you have a really good person right there, but you need to train them. You need to retain them. You know, is that kind of what you're saying? Oh, hundred percent. Right. It's easy to try and find the simple solution, that magic pill that we talked about and, and that magic employee and go, I'm going to, you know, recruit this guy or this girl and they're going to come in and they're going to change everything. Well, it's difficult to take the one that you've got in front of you and nurture them. Right. But you have them already. And so same thing with the customer base. We work so hard with our ads, you know, to get these loss leaders and these loser deals to try and capitalize on this customer who's never going to service with me, who's never going to buy from me again, unless I have another, you know, bleeder deal out there, rather than focusing on the customer who services with me, who, um, you know, who's already bought a couple cars for me and going, okay, I'm going to give them a high level of service so that I don't have to lose a bunch of money, but, and they're happy to do business with me because I'm willing to take care of them. 
So it's just kind of focus, right? We, we have to figure out where we want to put our focus and energy because it's easy to put a bleeder ad out there, lose a bunch of money and attract some people. It's difficult to pick up the phone and nurture that relationship with the customer, you know, to figure out, Hey, how am I going to take care of this customer that's been servicing with me? How am I going to take care of this customer that's bought three cars for me, traded in every one of them. And, you know, just from a loyalty standpoint, has a, has a high loyalty score, however you want to grade that. That's a little more work. Um, but it's much more rewarding as with just about everything in life, things that are easy, you know, usually aren't that rewarding and things that uh, are, are difficult usually at the end have a much higher reward for us. Yeah. And you talked about communication and part of that with, with it being training, what kinds of, or, or how is a, a manager these days able to successfully, uh, you know, like you said, most managers will just say that they want to put it off, put it off, put it off, put it off. What kinds of things are successful managers doing to make sure that they're training every day? Yeah. So it's hard, right? And I think everybody can recognize that from a time standpoint. I don't know what has happened to our wristwatches, but they don't have 12 numbers on them anymore. It's like 11, maybe even 10. And uh, not only do we have less time in the day, but we're being asked to do more and more things. So it's difficult, but, you know, let's just, let's not try and, and say, you know, these guys and gals that aren't training are just lazy. That's not it. It's absolutely difficult, but you've got to block it in. So what I recommend, my, my best practice is, you know, whatever time the store opens, eight, eight thirty nine whatever, come in a little bit earlier or, you know, but schedule it that first 15 to 20 minutes. And I'm not talking about a two hour training session up in the meeting room because that everybody hates that. Do we need to do it sometimes? Absolutely. But if you can do that steady drip of training and get, uh, you know, I recommend uh, playing one of my videos, a little plug there, uh, but finding some sort of content, regardless if it's my video, somebody's video, you're reading out of a book, do a book study. We've done that at the dealership before, you know, where you go over, you know, a, a couple pages or a chapter a week and however you decide to do it. Um, but then have an open discussion with the team, right? So at eight o'clock in the morning or at eight 30 in the morning, you, uh, you know, you play the video or you, you talk about the content and then as a team, you discuss it and it could be, Hey, that's awesome. It could be, Hey, that sucks. And here's why it could be, I tried that and it doesn't work. It could be, man, I forgot all about that. Haven't used that in years. It, there's but some level of discussion, 15, 20 minutes. That's it. Try and get as, as many people involved as you can, because we know first thing in the morning, there's not a lot going on at the dealership at two o'clock. It's tough, you know? Um, and then what I tell people is, okay, and then go on right from then and there, go find another video on your own YouTube or, you know, whatever it is. And then watch that, ingest that into your brain there. And then there you go. By nine o'clock, you've gone over one piece of content as a team. You've asked them to do one piece of content on their own and you've got a, a little bit of training done. And there's times where you have to go deep and you have to do a two hour training class and that sort of thing or half day, you know, whatever it is. Um, but if we can stay on top of that training a little bit every single day, uh, you, you won't be you know, relegated to going, okay, everybody up in the meeting room, two o'clock, let's go. Susie's got an appointment. Bobby says, F you, I'm not going, I don't want to, you know what I mean? Sales manager doesn't want to do it anyway. He wants to be down closing deals, you know? So it's like, nobody wants to do that. But if we can get that done, there you go. First thing in the morning, you've got your training done. Now you've got the whole rest of the day to do what you need to do as a closer and as a salesperson and get things done in your mind. But at least then we we're, we poured into our team. We've communicated as a team um, and, uh, and, you know, talked about it, gone over it and that sort of thing. And it took us 20 to 30 minutes. Yeah. What I like too, uh, to, in addition to that is not only the morning one, but having another one. And like you said, I like them to be no longer than 45 minutes, but one in the morning, one in the afternoon, usually at noon, it seems to be a common time where salespeople will come in. 
Yeah. And cause you usually have the openers and you usually have the closers and then you'll have mid shift people too. But I believe that definitely the shorter and what I love and what turned me on to, to you to begin with at closing big is because when you have a video platform, it's just like when you're at home and you tell your kids, you know, this is how you do things and this is why you don't do things. It's different when they see someone on YouTube tell them yeah. to do it, isn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. Right. I could tell my son something, but he watches some eight-year-old kid on YouTube with a video. It's like gospel. And it's the same thing that as sales managers, we tell all of our salespeople to, to give a TO, right? Why is that? Because it's a different face. And sometimes that different face just gets received a little differently. So it's the exact same thing with the video. Um, and what I like about the video platform too, is it's a crutch for some sales managers who frankly are like, I don't even know how to begin to, you know, they could do one training class or two, but to ask them to do five in a week, every single week, that's where they get tripped up. Well, now you just hit a play a video. That's your crutch. Now you can have a conversation about the video that you just watched. And then your team can have a conversation with you about that video. So it's, um, it's definitely a convenience thing and helps, helps people with that training. Um, and, and, you know, my idea is a little bit of training every single day, every single day, every single day. Yeah. And that is a complete culture. And what I'm hearing so far is retention. And that goes for, of course, employees, but customers as well. We don't have anything without a customer. So then that, that creates a culture when you throw in the training, right, of yeah. communication. And I think that dealers are lacking communication. Can you talk about, you know, what maybe communication goes on at, uh, you know, a management level, who's involved, and uh, what you see dealers, how they need to improve on their communication? Yeah. So again, every dealership is very unique. And that's what's one of the fun things about the car business is you can't go into, I mean, there's 3,300 Chevrolet stores in the United States. Every one of them is different from how they count their profit, their front end profit, their back end, uh, you know, to, to how the dealers operate. Some are there every day. Some are there six days a week. Some are there like a college course, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you know, from nine to noon. And that's all they do. They play golf. And you know, I mean, every dealership is so unique. So, uh, you know, what I see with some of the issues from a communication standpoint is they don't get communicated all the way down, you know, the ladder. So the, the owner will tell the GM or, you know, he'll tell the GSM. Or, um, and then he may tell the sales manager that nothing. And sometimes Josh, there's a breakdown when it comes to communication and trying to create that culture, especially a training one uh, mm -hmm. that comes from the top, because if it doesn't come from the top, you know, over the years I've seen it to where, you have sales managers that it just drives them crazy because they know if say the GSM or GM or owner was the one who just kind of set things in stone and said, this is how they do things. Then they had, that's their job to carry it out. You know, yeah. it's not their job to lay the foundation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, any, uh, you know, I use sports analogies all the time, right? The head coach has got to call the play. You know, sometimes it's all right for the, for the quarterback to make some audibles, but at the end of the day, they're following the game plan of the coach. Do audibles need to get called? Of course they do. Sometimes you got to do this. Sometimes you got to do that. Sometimes something may be more important than your training, you know, and you've got to make that decision. But when the head coach says, hey, here's our game plan, and this is what our culture is going to be, this is what we're going to do, then that's what happens. So, yeah, yeah, I, I can't disagree with that at all. And that communication piece sometimes gets lost along the way. Um, it, it, advertising is a great example. Uh, you know, how many salespeople don't know what you're doing from a social, from an SEO, from a, uh, Facebook, you know, any of that standpoint, right? Uh, you know, I remember when I was a salesperson, we'd have a customer come up with a, a, a mailer, you know, you do those a little less frequently. Now they come up with a mailer and go, Hey, I'm here for this mailer. And a salesperson, I'm like, wow, that's the first time I've seen that. Awesome. Let me take a look, you know, uh, just because that communication piece doesn't get pushed down. Um, and then you can't train on it. 
you know? So if you talk about that, that mailer and here's what's going on, here's what our thought process was as a dealer, here's how we would like to capitalize and maximize on this. Then the salespeople can, can work on that because now the, that message has been communicated all the way down the chain. But, uh, but yeah, I think it, we don't do communication well in the dealership world. That that's for sure. And that's something that, that dealerships that are successful definitely communicate much better top down and bottom up. You know, sometimes our best ideas come from, um, you know, from our salespeople. I mean, I had some good ideas come from porters, honestly, on how we, uh, you know, do our, our used car recon process and, and that sort of thing. So when you're open-minded and you're willing to listen as a leader, um, you know, that's awesome. And I tell my guys all the time, I want to make a decision as a family. We're going to sit down as a family. We're going to talk about it. We're trying to make a decision. So don't get me wrong. There's going to be times where I unilaterally make a decision. And there's going to be times where I tell you your decision is terrible. Um, but at the end of the day, I want to try and get some input because if we can make a decision as a family, now it's our decision and our idea. Um, and we can go and execute on that idea. But, you know, if I'm constantly just throwing down, Hey, do this, do this, do this, which sometimes that's the way that it is. But if it's just constant like that, it's hard to get buy-in from the team, you know? So yeah, that's what you're talking about, Josh really is, is what transparency really means these days. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we used to uh, believe that that only meant being transparent to customers. And now we're finding that transparency again, it comes down to our internal customers. Yeah, and yeah. you know, really, you're talking about the culture that is created, and that comes from you hinted at it earlier. And uh, after after we kind of wrap up this segment, I'm going to be boarding, but I'm so glad we got this in, even though it's quick. Yeah, uh, this is maybe one of the the most uh, anticipated conversations I've wanted to have because this is nuts and bolts type stuff that most yeah. dealers are not doing because they focus on you know three feet in front of them, like we were talking about. But you're talking about character, you're talking about personalities, and to create that culture means that you have to have the right characters involved. So can you yeah. talk about kind of what's different than, like you said, when we started and they just threw us to the wolves and now we've adapted and created a uh, different character about ourselves. What kind of character is it that dealers should be looking for these days? Because gone are the days where you just try to go out and find uh, the guy that's been selling cars for the past 10 years and hopping from dealership to dealership, right? Yeah, it's more, I, I look more for, you know, I think a lot of guys, and gals probably are in the same mindset as me. You know, yeah, I look for somebody who hasn't sold cars before most of the time. I'm not saying I wouldn't hire somebody that has, but uh, you know, you look for somebody who's about customer service. It's less about being a slick salesperson and more about, um, you know, that level of service. That's what's going to tip somebody over. Well, and, and Josh, yeah. you said too, when it comes to uh, how Facebook does sell cars. I mean, really sales is marketing now, isn't it's, it? It's 100% marketing. The shift, it, it, and there used to be a distinct difference between the two. You know, the marketers would get the leads, the sales guys would close them. And now the idea is, the pinnacle is to get to that point where the lead comes in, essentially closed, all we have to do is take care of them. And that's why I joke with people, you know, I talk about closing big, rename my company. It's, it's really more about opening big. You know, if you can start that relationship off awesome, you'll never have to use one of my closing lines, you know, and, and there are a bunch out there and there's just situations where closing and trial closes and all that stuff is super important. But if you can establish that relationship with a customer to the point where they become like family, when my mom comes in to buy a car, I'm not going to have to close her, right? You know, I'm going to provide her with a high level of service, give her everything she needs to the point where she just says, okay, that's the deal. You know, can you get my payment here? 
Okay, here's what I can do. It's going to take a little more money down, turn, you know, whatever we do in the negotiation process. There's some skill involved there too. But uh, yeah, if we can get to that point where everybody's like family, that's where that marketing, I think, is much better. And that's where humanizing that to deal. And it's a lot of things like what you guys do with, uh, you know, with the pictures of your customers and that social proof of going, oh my gosh, this dealership is an incredible place in the business. Look at all these happy customers that they've got there. Um, you know, things like that, that it, it doesn't sell that car right now, right? It's not ringing that bell where you can go, okay, this, you know, mailer brought in eight people that we, you know, da, 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 da. It's a little different. It's much more like farming than hunting. And as salespeople, we're conditioned to be hunters. Um, but we've got to realize that, yeah, we can hunt all day, every day, but we also need to be farming so that when those people come in, we can take care of them and, uh, you know, and, and turn them into customers if they're not a customer already or turn them into repeat customers if they are a customer. But it's definitely a different mindset. And so again, true. communication with your staff helps, right? You know, we, uh, we communicate uh, some things well and we don't communicate other things well, but we talk to them about, hey, here's why we're doing this. Um, because six months from now, somebody's going to see three or four of these posts and they're going to be in the market and they're going to go, oh my gosh, let me go down and see Josh at uh, Toyota because they take really good care of their customers. And that's, uh, and that's why we do this, you know? So I think that's, a yeah, people are starting to realize that, uh, just like most other businesses, you have to begin with the end in mind. And I don't know yeah. why it's taken dealerships so long to realize if you start with retention really and work your way backwards, you know, to the leading to the culture that you want created if you're communicating daily and being transparent and you have the right characters in place life can be easy yeah yeah absolutely it can be but you have to think with that retention and like you said both with employees and with customers you know i'd rather sell a customer car that's bought three cars for me and services with me you know religiously every three to six months i'd rather sell that person a car than try and conquest somebody from out of town you know, that doesn't have a trade, that's not going to finance with me, that's not going to service with me. You know, what, what kind of long-term value is that customer? Same thing. I'd rather have a salesperson on my showing floor. And I talk to sales managers about this all the time because they complain about their staff not being trained and not knowing what to do all the time. Wouldn't you rather have a salesperson that's been there three or four years that knows what to do, knows how you like it done? Okay, well, that only comes with retention. So you've got to pour into that salesperson. You've got to treat your salesperson as good as you treat your customers. And then they're going to stick around. And now guess what? Your complaint, there's always going to be complaints, but you're complaining about other things. You're not complaining about, man, my salesperson doesn't know how to fill out the paperwork, doesn't know that my cars have this option or that option, or you can't get these two options together, or whatever it is, because you're constantly dealing with the staff of you know, green salespeople. And Josh, I'm about to board. And uh, this has been a powerful, basically half an hour. And I'm glad that we got it in. I appreciate you jumping on so early. And yeah. Thanks so much. All right, my man. Travel safe and uh, tell your son congratulations. Right on. Thanks, Josh. I did.